0: You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Now, Naaman was a captain in the Syrian army and God had honored him. The Bible says God had given him victories over Syria's enemies, and he was an honorable man. But he had a problem, and the problem was that he had leprosy. Now, leprosy in the Bible is always a picture of sin, because for leprosy, there was no cure. And so sin in a life will eventually, unless it is taken care of, destroy that person's life. And so Naaman was commanded by the prophet of God to go down to the river Jordan, that old muddy river, and dip himself seven times in the Jordan. And he was told that when he came up the seventh time, his flesh would be cleansed. And instead of doing that, Naaman got ticked. He got angry. And so the Bible tells us that in Second Kings chapter five and verse 11, that Naaman was wroth, that means he was mad. And he went away and said, "I thought. I thought." There, Naaman expresses a second opinion to the thought of God. He said, "I thought." The prophet would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. You see what Naaman said? He said, I thought Elisha himself would come out. What did he do? Elisha sent his servant out to talk with Naaman. And Naaman said, I thought he would go through the whole routine of the faith healers that I've seen before. I thought he would put his hand up in the air. I thought he would cry out to God. He would strike his hand over my leprosy and maybe even thunder would sound and a miraculous event would take place and I would be made well. And it didn't happen. And the Bible says Naaman went away still being a leper. Well, we all have second opinions about many things. You may even have a relative who, when you have a family gathering, will take the opposite position of what anyone is discussing, even though they may not even believe that position, just for the sake of having an argument, just for the sake of having a debate. You're probably thinking about a relative just like that right now. Uh, people that I know also, and and it's okay uh, to have a second opinion. I I went to the doctor the other day, and after the doctor told me what was wrong with me, I said, no offense doc, but I'd kind of like to get a second opinion. And he looked at me and he said, okay, you're ugly too. (laughs) You know, we can have second opinions on all kinds of things. But when you express a debate against God, when you express a second opinion against the holy word of God, your two cents makes no sense whatsoever. For I want to tell you that God is always right. And in order to maintain his status as God, he always has to be right. And so there is no debate with him I want to speak to you today on the subject quotations from the book of Second Opinions now I want you to understand there is no book of Second Opinions in the Bible I hope that since we began you haven't been searching your Bible for the book of Second Opinions it is not there I made it up I made up the chapter and verse divisions also, simply for the sake of this message. I used to do that when I taught school. I'd make up books of the Bible. I'd make up verses to go along with them. One of my favorite books that I made up was the book of Hezekiah. I think there ought to be a book of Hezekiah. There's a book of Zephaniah, there's a book of Zechariah, so there ought to be a book of Hezekiah, but there is not. And I would make up verses to go along with the book of Hezekiah. I would say Hezekiah 3.7 says, He who tooteth not his own horn, his horn shall not be tooted. <laughs> now, that is an old Damon, Run- Damon Runyon saying from years ago, but I made it into biblical form. And I would say Hezekiah 9.6 says, Where two or three are absent, there is no class. Now, kids love that, I loved it, you know? Uh, So when two or three were absent, we didn't have class. And one kid believed it so much that he went to his next class and there were five kids gone, and so he told the teacher, hey, we can't have class today, because Mr. Holman says, it says in the Bible, where two or three are absent, there is no class. So I would do that all the time, so it's nothing uncommon for me to make up a book of the Bible, and so I've done that today, and I've called it the book, Of second opinions now even though there's no book in the Bible like that these things that we're going to talk about these quotations express the exact language of people who today have a second opinion about what God has said in his word and they either contradict or make up their own meaning concerning what God says in the scripture so we're going to look at some of those things here this morning the first one is this the book of second opinions speaks to the antagonist the book of second Opinions speaks for the antagonist and he says this the bible is truly a good book but it surely is not infallible now that goes clear back to the book of genesis You remember what the old devil said to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God had said that they were not to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, the devil comes along in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. And the Bible says he was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, It's very interesting that here's the serpent speaking to eve and she didn't run i want to tell you if you put a serpent here on the platform i will disappear and even though i can't find the back door i will make one but eve didn't run away from the snake it had to be beautiful in appearance and the serpent said to the woman yea hath god said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden what did he do he tried to get eve to doubt the word of God the word of God is good God's good but it's surely not infallible and you remember what happened the devil comes a little bit later and says listen when Eve said God said we shouldn't eat of it we shouldn't even touch it she added to it lest we die the devil said you shall not surely die And he got them to doubt the Word of God. I want to say something to you, especially to you young people today. I want to say this. Beware of people who you you hear saying this. They will say to you, Oh, the Bible, it contains the Word of God. Don't listen to that, because it sounds good. But what it says is this. If the Bible only contains the Word of God, then it contains some things that aren't the Word of God. Beware. Beware of people who say to you, the Bible is the Word of God when it speaks to you. So if you read some verses of the Word of God and they inspire you, then that's the Word of God. But if the Bible doesn't speak to you, then you can take it or leave it, because it really doesn't matter. Beware of people who say this to you, the Bible is a book of theology, but It does not necessarily have to be true when it speaks about science or history some of you are going to go back to school very soon some of you will go to a state college some of you may have a professor or a teacher who will say some things like that to you I want you to understand that the Bible is a theology book But it must be true not only when it speaks about theology, but when it speaks about science, and when it speaks about history, or when it speaks about any other subject. Because if the Bible is not true from cover to cover, then you cannot believe it when it speaks to you about your salvation. Because if there's an error in the Bible, you can't trust it when it speaks about any other subject. So be careful, beware. The devil, as he was back in the Garden of Eden, is still working in people's minds to bring about a second opinion concerning the word of God. Oh, it's good, but it's not infallible. It is either all God's word or it is not God's word at all. And I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart that God gave us part of the word of God that is forever settled in heaven. And in this book, he preserved the writers of scripture from all error and from all omission in order that we might have a book directly from God to meet our every need. And the Bible says to us today, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable. It's all the word of God, and there is no second opinion that carries any weight whatsoever. Second of all, in the book of Second Opinions, chapter 2 and verse 5, it speaks for the atheist. Now, the atheist says this, God does not exist, and even if he does, there is no future judgment for my actions. I want to tell you, I was driving to church this morning, and I came to a stop street, some guy was coming the other way, and he didn't even stop. He just went through it. I have never seen so many people who fail to stop at stop streets. I want to tell you, when I'm at a traffic light, I never start out when the light goes green, because I have seen so many people disobey the red light that they have and try to make it through and not stop when the light turns red now you say what's that all about what's just a sign of the times you know what people are saying when they do that that's a law that's for everybody else but not for me i want to tell you that's what the atheist says about god well he doesn't exist and even if he does there's no future judgment for my sin I want you to see what the Bible says. Look at the book of Psalms, chapter 10 and verse 4. The Bible says the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in his thoughts. Chapter 14 and verse 1 says this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, literally, we think that is the statement of an atheist, but I want to tell you what that verse really says is this. The fool has said in his heart, no God for me. Even if he does exist, I don't want him. I want to live a life completely without accountability. I want to live a life completely without restriction. And so the atheist says, even if God exists, There is no accountability for my actions, but I want to show you what the Bible says later on in Psalms, chapter 10. Look, if you will, at verse 11. He has said, the wicked has said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face, he will never see it. He doesn't see what I do. He doesn't care what I do. I can do whatever I want to. Look at verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, Wherefore does the wicked condemn God? He has said in his heart, Thou will not require it. Thou hast not seen it. For thou beholdest mischief and spite, the psalmist says, to requite it with thy hand. The poor committeth himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. The wicked man says, God hasn't seen it. God doesn't care what I do, even if he exists. But the psalmist says, God, I know you've seen it. I know you will require it one day. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, the scripture says, God is aware of sin. Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23 says this, just be sure that all of your sin will find you out. And in Revelation chapter 20, the Bible says one day all the unbelieving dead will stand before God and the books will be open. What's the books? The books of their works. Does God keep a record? Yes, he does. And the Bible says the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the dead were cast into the lake of fire. Listen, friend. Someone may have a second opinion about sin, about whether God sees it or not, about whether we are accountable to God. But I want to say to you today, God does keep a record. And I say to you, if your sins are still on the books, they haven't been forgiven yet, then I suggest you look at the Old Testament prophet Amos, chapter 4 and verse 12, which says this, Prepare to meet your God, because one day you will be held accountable for your sin. Now, number three, the book of Second Opinions, and uh, let's see, I even forgot the verse that I put down here. The book of Second Opinions, chapter three, verse 14, uh, says this. It says, it speaks to the anti-Christian, and he says this. Jesus Christ claimed to be a prophet sent from God. But even though he was a good man, he's not God. A lot of people like that today. They say Jesus Christ is a good man. Good example, great teacher, and he loved what he did so much that he even was willing to go and die as a martyr on the cross for what he believed, but he's still not God. I wanna tell you today, that's a second opinion many have. But if we look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter five and verse 21 and 22, the Bible says this. This is the event where Jesus was speaking to a group of people in a home and it was so crowded that these other guys carry a man that was a paralytic on a bed and they couldn't even get into the house. So you remember what they did. They went up on the roof and they let the man down through the roof. And Jesus looked at the man and he said your sins be forgiven to you verse 21 the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying they had a second opinion they began to reason saying who is this which speaketh blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone here's an amazing thing Jesus perceived their thoughts he knew everything so he could look into their minds and Jesus knew what they were thinking that they had a second opinion and he answered and said unto them what reason in your hearts and he said to them what's easier to say to the man your sins be forgiven or to say to him take up your bed and walk well the answer to that is it's far harder to say take up your bed and walk because you can see that anybody can say your sins be forgiven you but Jesus said in order that I might prove to you that I am who I claim to be that I am God he says to the paralytic take up your bed and walk and the guy took up his bed and he walked out I want to tell you today Throughout the word of God, time and time again, Jesus proves he is God. Don't you ever disbelieve that. The Bible says in 2 John chapter 7 that many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So when people come knocking on your door, if you're home and open it up, and they wanna give you some material, you ask them, who's Jesus Christ? And if they say to you, well, he's a good man, good example, we think he was a prophet, look at that person and say, was he God? And when they deny it, you tell them, you have no more time for them. Turn them away. The Bible says, don't bid them godspeed. Don't say good luck to you, for he who wishes them godspeed becomes partaker of their evil deeds. Whenever you are tempted to doubt that Jesus Christ is God, remember a little verse over in John chapter 10 and verse 30. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, I and the Father are one whenever Jesus said I am the light of the world or I am the resurrection and the life the words I am are just like Jesus was saying that he is God for that's the name of God I am the eternal name of God the ever-present name of God he is who he claims to be And I want to say something to you today. He's the only one of all religious leaders who God placed his divine stamp of approval upon him in the fact that he raised him from the dead, took him back to heaven, and put him on his own right hand, the place of honor, the place of approval, and the place of blessing. Jesus Christ is God. There is no second opinion. He is a good man. He is a good example. He is a good teacher. But if you stop short of saying that He is God, you have blasphemed His holy name. Number four, the book of second opinions speaks to the agnostic. The agnostic is a person who says, I can't tell you whether there is a God or whether there isn't. The only thing I know about God is anything that I experience in this life. And we go back to Naaman, back in 2 Kings chapter 5. He was told by the prophet, go down to the Jordan, dip yourself seven times, And Naaman said, are you kidding me? Do you know what that Jordan River is like? You step down into the Jordan and you sink in mud up to your knees. And here I am and you're telling me to go down there and literally immerse myself in that muddy river seven times? And he went away. Just as leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin, so the Jordan River is a picture of the way to salvation. Naaman said this, look at verse 12. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them? and be clean so he turned and went away in a rage you know what he said listen elijah stop being a bigot isn't it true that all religions no matter what you believe as long as you were sincere lead to the same god can not i go back to syria can i go back to those pure rivers of water And dunk myself seven times down and get the same result and the answer was no you can't I want to tell you there's a lot of people today when you talk to them about the fact of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin the Bible says we are redeemed not with silver or gold but with the precious blood of the lord jesus christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot do you know what they say oh that's ugly that's messy all that blood stuff can i get to heaven by much purer ways by my giving by my good works by the deeds that i do And the answer is, absolutely not. There's an old hymn. Do you know what it says? The way of the cross leads home. Yes, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know, as on I go, the way of the cross leads home. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ, and his shed blood is not a good way to get to heaven. Jesus Christ and his shed blood is not the best way to get to heaven. But Jesus Christ and his shed blood is the only way to get to heaven. Naaman said, can I do something else? Don't all religions lead to the same God? God. As long as you are sincere, God will accept you. No, my Bible says this. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Number five. The book of second opinions speaks to the accusers. Oh, we've talked mostly about unbelieving people. Now we get down to most of us about accusing people who look at others and are critical. Here's what the accuser says. Christians are to have no problems. They're to be healthy, happy, and rich. If problems do exist, they are the result of sin and a lack of faith in the believers life I want to tell you be careful about being critical old job remember old job poor guy had everything lost everything he's out in the ash heap he's got boils all over his body he's lost his family lost his wealth he's taking a broken piece of pottery and scraping his skin and his friends friends like that, come up to him and they say, Job, we got the answer. We know what's the matter. It's sin in your life. Look at Job chapter 20. Notice what Job chapter 20 says. Here comes Zophar, one of his friends. And he says, therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer. For this I make haste. I've got the answer for you, Job. I have heard the check of my reproach and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. Says, I'm, I'm really smart, I've got it. Knowest thou not that this of old, since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite for a moment? Though his excellency mount up to the heavens, and his head reach unto the clouds, yet he shall perish forever, like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? What did Zophar say? Job, listen. You had it all, but you only had it for a little while. And from old we have heard that the hypocrite, that the sinner in God's sight will soon perish. And that's what's happened to you. Now, if you fess up and you confess your sin to God, maybe, possibly, he might forgive you. But that's your problem. He was very critical of Job. Now, Job's wife, on the other hand, was very straightforward. Chapter 2, verse 9 of Job, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou uh, retain thine integrity? Just curse God and die. Just be over with it. Don't go through it anymore. And little did either of these people realize that what was taking place in Job's life was the will of God for him. It was God testing him. There was a debate between the devil and God. And the Lord was allowing the devil to do whatever he could to Job without taking his life in order that Job could prove his loyalty to God. And yet these two people come along and they tell Job, just curse God and die. You're a sinner, Job. We know that's what happens when these things take place. You better get right with God. And they became accusers. You know what happened to them? Zophar and his two other friends, God looked at them and said, Listen, guys, I condemn you. You better have Job pray for you, or you guys are going to be in a pack of trouble. And Job's wife, you say, she made out pretty good, didn't she? Because the Bible says when Job had gone through all of the testing, God restored to Job, because of his integrity, twice as much as he had before. Before, he had ten children, seven sons and three daughters. And after it all took place, God replaced that family that he had lost, and he had seven sons and three daughters again. Everything seemed wonderful except for Job's wife. She had to go through 90 months of pregnancy. (laughs) Be careful when you're critical. Sometimes God is working in someone's life that we have no idea what he's doing. And this idea of being healthy, wealthy, And uh, not having any problems just doesn't come along. Sometimes that's the will of God for our life. Number six. The book of second opinions speaks, did I miss one? I don't think I did. Number six. Speaks to the afflicted. Okay, there it is, the afflicted. You know what the afflicted sometimes say? God makes mistakes we don't deserve suffering that's what the afflicted sometimes say and the longer listen to me now the longer a problem persists the easier it is to say that God has forgotten about you that God doesn't care about you that God may not even know your name And is God even concerned about your problem? I want to tell you that's the way Job got. Job chapter 13 and verse 3 says this. He said, surely I would speak to the Almighty and a desire to reason with God. Here's Job with all his suffering, and you know what he says? Boy, if God only understood what I'm going through. I would really like to have an audience with God. And I would explain to God what I have done and who I am and I'm not deserving of what He has placed in my life. You know, it's hard. When you got a physical infirmity that just keeps going on and on. When you got a problem that just persists and you prayed about it and it stayed with you Sometimes we are prone to have a second opinion. God, what's going on? Did you make a mistake? I really don't deserve this, if you really knew who I was. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul said, I besought the Lord thrice, that this thorn in the flesh Might depart from me. I don't know what his problem was. I personally think it was his eyesight. I think Paul was probably a very unpleasant man to look at when he preached. I believe his eyes probably watered a great deal. Some people say that Job or that Paul was hunchback, and so he was not pleasant. He was not a handsome person that was doing the preaching. And so he prays to God, and he says, God, please take this away. I can be so much more effective for you if you just take this infirmity away. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know what God, I think, said to Paul? He said, Paul, you know, before you came to know me as your Savior, you had a problem with pride. You were a very proud person. And you know, if I took that infirmity away from you, you have a tendency to become proud again and not rely upon me the way that you do now. And and so you know what, Paul? I'm just going to leave that problem in your life because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so what happened? You know what Paul did? He changed his prayer. He prayed three times that the infirmity would depart, and now he changes his prayer. He says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in necessities and persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, even the Apostle Paul had a second opinion. But when God answered that prayer and said, that problem's going to stay, he changed his prayer. He said, I'll gladly rejoice in my infirmities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. One more, and we're done. Number seven. The book of Second Opinion speaks about the ambitious. Those who would be great in God's kingdom. Those who would ascend the ladder of success in Christianity. And oftentimes they think the way to do it is self-promotion. Make everything about me and I will get to the top. They express this second opinion. Get all you can and can all you get make everything about me but I want you to look at mark chapter 9 mark chapter 9 speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples Bible says he came to Capernaum being in the house he asked them, what is it that you disputed among yourselves by the way well what they were talking about was who's going to be the greatest James and John, you remember, even went to Jesus to ask that they could sit on his right hand and sit on his left hand in his kingdom. They held their peace, for by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve, and he saith unto them, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. James and John, what are you doing? They went to Jesus behind the back of the other disciples. They went to Jesus and said, "Jesus, in your kingdom, let me sit on the left and and me sit on the right." And they even took mom along with them. Why'd they do that? Because they thought, if my mom says something to Jesus, Jesus will surely honor the request. Of a lady that's why some people pray to Mary today because they think Jesus may be angry with them because of their life but Jesus would never refuse a request from his mother and so they pray to Mary James and John thought the same thing mom can speak for us do you remember what Jesus says to them listen guys you want to be great in God's kingdom You become the servant of all. Someone has said this. If you push others down on your way to the top, you might find that when you fall, no one is there to catch you. But if you stop to lift others up as you climb the ladder of success, you build a safety net all around you oh listen the book of second opinions they're okay to have about all other things but when it comes to the Word of God and what it says the book of second opinions has no value whatsoever may I close with this there, there's a song that a group that probably some of you are familiar with, they're called Casting Crowns, and they have a song about second opinions. And so I put some of the words to that song on the screen so we could look at it. Notice what they say. Well, church, gather around because we got us a problem. There's a lot of inspiration floating around these days, words that paint a pretty picture, but..." You won't find them in the scripture. That's because they're all from the book of second opinions. Well, they'll say, follow your heart wherever it leads you. Just let that little voice inside you show the way. But I guess the million-dollar question, is that your heart or indigestion? Because the heart's been known to lead the fool astray. Well, the world might tell you that all roads lead to heaven. Well, to, be, to that, there's just one thing I'd like to say. There's one throne, and I'm not on it. A solid rock, and I stand upon it. And Jesus is the truth, the life, the way. Well, it ain't hard to get hooked on the book of second opinions. We'd rather live our own truths. Don't tell us what to do, just what we want to hear. But it's high time we turned our interest to God's word instead of Pinterest and finally close the book of second opinions. Isaiah 55 and verse seven says this, let the wicked man forsake his ways and the evil man put away his evil thoughts because God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And his ways are not our ways. And so what we need to determine today is to put away that book of second opinions and rely upon the eternal, truthful, valuable word of God. I trust that that will be our decision today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we realize that You've given us a valuable treasure in the scripture. You've given us the word of God, which is your word from cover to cover. And oftentimes, because we don't want to have any accountability to anyone, we want to live the way we want to live. Because we have our own ideas, we come up with second opinions. But Lord, I pray today that someone who is here and has always thought, well, All roads lead to God. All religions lead to the same God. So as long as I'm sincere about what I believe, I'll get to heaven one day. problem with that is that you can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. And the Word of God does not allow for that second opinion. But the Word of God says, that Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way. And I pray today, Lord, that you might convict that one who is here, perhaps thinking they are secure for all eternity to come, but they've never taken Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I pray that you might convict them today and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And today, if that would be you, you've never taken Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I want to offer you today the opportunity to do just that. The Bible says, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That means delivered delivered from that judgment to come upon all unbelievers and delivered to heaven for eternity. Would you pray that simple prayer and call on the name of the Lord? Here it is. You begin by saying, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And then you say, dear Lord, please forgive me for my sin. And then you pray, today I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And you close your prayer by saying, in Jesus' name I pray. See, it's so simple. But people have despised the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary for years. They've sought other ways and other means. But truly today, the way of the cross leads home. And today, Christian, have you been guilty of some second opinions? Second opinions about others that you've sometimes questioned what's taking place in their life. you've been critical, sometimes you've been afflicted, and sometimes you've thought maybe God made a mistake or forgot about you. You haven't gone back to Calvary and seen him suffering there and saying, I can't do any better to show you how I love you than this. Maybe in your life you've just lived for yourself. You'd truly like to be great in God's kingdom, but you need to surrender to him and become the servant of all. Oh, we're going to have an invitation in just a minute. Whatever the need in your life, maybe you need to come to Jesus Christ today. Maybe you need to come and just confess Him as your personal Savior. Maybe you need to come as a Christian and just have prayer and get your life right with God. But whatever the need is today, you need to close the book of second opinion and listen totally to what God says for you in his holy, infallible word. Lord, I pray that you might speak to hearts today. And I pray that decisions might be made in people's lives. We'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.